we're talking pain, we're talking difficulty, we're talking hardship, we're talking the ability to endure through stuff. If everything comes easy to you, yeah. then, it's, then it's really not worth it. The success is not as sweet. Um, you know, if Rocky just went in to the went into the ring and just knocked out Apollo Creed one punch, we don't have a movie. <laughs> Good morning, Portsmouth, Ohio. You are listening to the Glock and Doc Audio Encounter. I'm sitting here with Dale King and a different Glock brother this morning. We've got Mike Glockner on the set. Good morning, you guys. Good morning. morning. Did you have a good weekend? Are you well rested? No. Okay. Well, (laughs) you have twins, so I would expect. Well rested. So the good the good thing is Mike and I can share war stories about newborns. So I was all alone in the combat zone yesterday. <laughs> Tia had to work. My here's what my Sundays used to consist of: free twins, a minimum of three naps, <laughs> <laughs> not getting out of bed till like ten in the morning. Schedule my first nap around eleven thirty. So yesterday day starts zero five forty five. They want to get up. <laughs> They need to be changed. Colt promptly shits out of the diaper, <laughs> which I was not tracking. So there was diaper in the little, or shit in the little swing thing. Yep, yep. Then he got shit on my hoodie. Yep, because you got to pick him right up. on the hoodie. Yep. And then I wrapped him up in a blanket, and there was just shit all over that. Yes. So that shitty morning. Shitty morning. Truly really shitty morning. So that was hoodie number one of the day. His outfit number one. I went through two hoodies because then it was like we were feeding mushed green beans and sweet potatoes. Mm. So now you have collar to the vomit now. (laughs) It's no longer just white and clear. There's a beautiful, magical palette of color. We're still still in the mustard brownish yellow so yeah it's it's fun sorry for the listeners that just tuned that just turned hope off. you're eating breakfast yeah <laughs> so we went through about there's everything's doubled so we feed them four, so there's like eight bottles three different One changes <laughs> two different hoodies green throw up orange throw up brown shit everywhere Times it all by two. Times it all by two. Elizabeth's not bad. Colt's the one that he just like will throw up and just start smiling and just keep keep rolling. Because <laughs> this is payback, Dad. Yeah. But I we should... did we did get some sweet Thomas to train action. Yeah. So that I was just zonked. I was like, here's Thomas to train. Please, God, yeah. Thomas, help me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please go to Please, sleep, Thomas. Just let do your thing. <clears throat> we should just post a picture of you right now because you do look pretty tired. So. I had a 2 a.m. wake-up call. It wasn't it wasn't too bad, but uh, Friday night was a little rough. Uh, Elle decided she was going to get up and 
scream at the top of her lungs, and uh, <laughs> but she's good. She's not feeling. She's she's kind of got a little Down crouping, but yeah. she's good, and uh, got them back to sleep and all is well. But yeah, I had I had all three on Saturday too for mm. Kate's ball game and. Yeah, I got one on my chest. I've got L trying to put her down for a nap. All the while, I'm trying to watch football because it's Saturday. <laughs> Duh. So yeah, yeah. I successfully uh, put Cora down for her uh, for her nap. So we're sleep training, trying to get her from her pack and play to her real crib, and it's it's working out good. So solid. Yeah. So dadding so hard. Dad, so hard. <laughs> One day. I just love Dadding it. Dadding so hard, yeah. One day. All right. Well, today, this is kind of a good topic because you both have children who um, eventually will be making the decision to go um, into college, to apply for school, or into the military, or um, maybe not take that direction at all. So, today we're going to be talking about college lessons versus life lessons and what makes you more prepared for work and and a career um so i know mike you've been reading like an awesome book so why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners about what you've been (laughs) reading at night and uh some of the the takeaways you've gotten from that so i like dale i subscribe to a few podcasts and one of the podcasts um the guy's name is um, is well, he goes by Drama, but it's he was on the show Robin Big. Oh yeah, oh, Drama Beats. Chris, yeah. Chris I, I can't say his last name. It's P H A F F. I'm gonna say Faf. Okay, yeah. Um, but he's an Ohio guy. Yep. Um, and of course, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see he just you know he's on his podcast and he holds up this book and it's it's called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. So I'm like, well, it's got to be great. So the <laughs> the title of it is The Surprising Science Behind Why Everything You Know About Success Is Mostly Wrong. So I'm literally a, a chapter into this thing, which is 30-some pages, and I've read it the same the chapter over like three times because I'm like, I got to go back to that. Yeah. I got to go back yeah. to that. So one of the, the first uh, chapter is, Should We Play It Safe and Do What We're Told? If we want to succeed, one word no. answer. Dale. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, this, this Dale's got to read this book. Play it's it safe, perfect. no. <laughs> so again, it, it talks about a lot of things. And the first thing that it talks about is um, kind of off the cuff, but a, a scientific gene that you're born with, and it's SCN9A, and it's a gene that you're born with that you cannot feel pain. Can you imagine. So it's like the life expectancy of somebody that's born with this is age three because it, it's dangerous. Yeah. I was but I'm say. thinking of, can you imagine doing a workout and just <laughs> at every point in the workout, you're like, you want to give up, you want to quit. And then there's Dale telling you, get it, get it <laughs> let's go. You got one more minute. All you got. So... It, it constantly talks about this, and it's it's something that I I mean I looked at as is you know can you imagine one if you couldn't feel pain can you imagine if you didn't know if your ankle was broke or whatever and it talks about a, a lady that actually 
walked on her ankle for like three days. Didn't know it was broke. Well, it's, again, it's dangerous. Yeah. Right, right, right. But um, I mean, again, it's it's that's that's the one of the first things. Um, but again, that is a crazy thing because pain happens obviously in your brain. But even if like seeing it, it's like oh, I'll be I'll be fine. You don't even realize, you know. No, I can't imagine. The more I think of it, it's like oh, okay, you just don't feel pain. But pain is a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pain. Pain is definitely a good thing. It's just a matter of I know your this, threshold. Right. Yeah. It's your threshold and understanding, understanding if it's you know, hurt or injured. Right. Pain. Yeah. And think of that like in business. Like there's there's business pains. There's growing pains. Like when I mean when you started. When I when I first you know when Tim and Joe and I first got back into the business and we started doing things. We we experienced some growing pains and we continue to. But when you can feel it is when you can identify it. Mm-hmm. To me, is like, what's going on in this department? Or what's mm-hmm. going on at this class? Why doesn't this class have as many people mm-hmm. as this class does? So as I'm walking in this morning, Sadie and I are talking about, you know, how's your morning? And I was like, it, it's, it, it's just crazy. It's Monday. Mm-hmm. So what happens on Monday? You know, it's typical. You know, you're trying to get things rolling, whatever. Um, but growing pains or, or pains of business, I think, are good. And if you can feel them, I think it's where you can learn from them. Yes. You can, you know, if you don't feel pain, to me, you're you're not trying or you're not grading yourself every day. As so a you, business owner. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You need you need to feel some pain of, you know, what's going on in the economy, what's going on in your your own business and your own field, and um, so yeah, that was a that was a good one uh, yeah. to start. Yeah. Pay- Pain is is the ultimate teacher, and it's it's just a matter of how you adapt. Because you, because we're talking pain, we're talking difficulty, we're talking hardship, we're talking the ability to endure through stuff. If everything comes easy to you, yeah. then it's, then it's really not worth it. The success is not as sweet. Um, you know, if Rocky just went in to the went into the ring and just knocked out Apollo Creed one punch. We don't have a movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's it's a good thing. and uh, But the problem where it gets... Pain has such a negative connotation with it is because you are not... You're supposed to shy from pain. You know, pain is not my enemy. It is my call to greatness. Right. And that's why it's written on our board. Uh, you shouldn't fear being uncomfortable uh, because that's when you're going to learn. You're not going. You're not going to learn in a, in a cozy air-conditioned classroom, Mm-mm. taught to you by some sixty-year-old guy who's washed. Turn up the or, fan right. off. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You have to be willing to understand that, like, all right, there's the fire. I'm going to walk through it, but I'm not going to fear walking through it because I'm going to visualize how it's going to feel on yes. the other end. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. So pain. pain, pain, pain. Good. No pain. No, no gain. Pain. Um, one of the other things that I that I'd written down, um, and again, I'll I'll ask you guys: um, Would you rather have a valedictorian or salutatorian, or a C student? Well, considering I'm neither a valedictorian <laughs> nor salutatorian nor magnum cum laude. What were you, Dale? Uh, you were all of the above. I was, uh, what was I? 
I was class of '99, voted most likely to succeed. <laughs> Good. A title which I, you know, hold near and dear to my chest. Um, I wasn't a valedictorian, but if none of those, if a valedictorian or a salutatorian couldn't get into a bar fight and win, then I don't want either one of them. <laughs> so I'll take the C student guy. I'll take the grinder. Yes. So I was, right before we started, I was telling you guys, I had a, a professor at Shawnee State. <clears throat> I, I spent my first two years at Xavier, in which, of course, I, I want to follow in my grandpa's footsteps and my dad's footsteps, in which I made it a year longer than dad. Sorry, dad. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and Tim, but one of, one of my... Um, favorite professors but one that I look back and I, he was he was really tough and I I actually we we had several arguments on this and that but um, he made the comment that you know of the students that he's had and he's taught the C students are the ones that continue to to impress him the most in the workforce and in, you know in business and in life in general so um well, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I will proudly admit I was a B to C student and as a C student, I had to work hard for that C. It, like some people, A's come easy, you know, I don't really need to study because they retain information super yes. easy. Now, I'm not saying that not every A student was like that, but as a C student, I had to work hard and I had to read and read it again and I still got that C, but you, you're in it for the grind, you know. You're not just C's get degrees type person, you know. Right. I lived by C's equal degrees. <laughs> oh well, I was I was one of the fighters. I was like, I gotta put in the time, and I'm just gonna get this C. But that, that you know, that just goes to prove like people work hard, and their grades don't necessarily reflect like what kind of person they are, what kind of grinder they are, what kind of employee they will be. Right. You know. So one of the things that I, I, of course, I started highlighting and, and underlining things in the book. So um, one of the one of the things is how many of these number one high school performers go on to change the world, run the world, or impress the world? And the answer seems to be clear. Zero. Yeah. Um, not to say that they can't, but um, it, it also goes on to say valedictorians aren't likely to be the future visionaries. They typically settle into the system instead of shaking things up. And that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that I think I I liked most about the quote was, you know, the people that that know they don't have to work hard to get an A. Mm-hmm. Like I I constantly am on my son about, look, you got to study, you got to study, you got to study because I was that kid. I I couldn't just look at something mm-hmm. one time and get it. Like, we had to work at it. I was the same as yeah. you, Sadie. I'd, I had to work for B's and C's. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, it's, it's you know, I think that the the other kids are ones that might have a different outlook on this is what the book tells you. Yeah. And this is what, this is the book, this is the gospel. Well, yeah. what's what's life? You know, mm-hmm. you've, got, you've got a difference in being book smart. And as one of, one of, you know, a guy told me, you can either be book smart or you can be street smart. Yeah. It's true. Well, what, what do grades measure? They're a measurement of your, of your IQ. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as if you graduate the 4.0 in high school or college, that tells a potential employer 
one thing because you want to hire smart people. Right. So, and you should, you know, you should stress upon your kids and you should yourself work to get good grades. Um, however, it's not a measurement of EQ, your, emo- your ability to, your emotional quotient. So your ability to see and read other people, have emotional or have relationships with, the, with mm-hmm. one another because what's the number what's a quality a fundamental of business is your network is your net worth mm-hmm. so if you're the rocket science nuclear genius but you can't make have meaningful relationships and be able to sell your idea to somebody it it really doesn't matter now you need that 4.0 guy on your team oh yeah but um, <clears throat> grades grades are a measure of your intelligence at a certain point in time. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not a measure of your well-roundedness. Right. right. It's the guy, it's the hardworking guy that's a well-roundness. Um, cause I, I mean, I, I could, I never studied, graduated with A's and B's, coasted through high school, coasted through college with good grades, went to school 50, 60% of the time. Um, but I, I also went to school full-time. I had a part-time job working in the gym, oddly enough, uh, and, and did, was doing full-time ROTC. So I would look around my classmates who were quote-unquote full-time students just wasting away the rest of their hours and days, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, you guys are not getting it. Like, you have to – like, there's so much time in the day to go out there and be involved and do other things. So um, – intelligence or lack thereof is one pillar that it takes to be successful in business. It's not the end all be all. Um, and you know, I think Steve jobs dropped out of college, Bill Gates dropped out of college. Um, and I, you know, we'll get into that later on, but they were smart enough to know they're going to waste four years being in college when they can go ahead and, and work on changing the world. Yeah. Perfect lead in. So, Segway! <laughs> 58 members of the Forbes 400 either avoided college or ditched it path, partway through. And of those 58, they were four times, their net worth was four times as much as the other 342. So, what's that tell you? Yeah. And again, I think it's like knowing being a visionary and and knowing what you want to do and you know the 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 piece of paper is is great and we're not saying don't go to college don't do this but you know what which person are you Mm -hmm. so why do you think so many of these fortune 500 businesses put that stamp on there um like on their requirements to even apply for a job must be top of your class must be graduate from a four-year school or must get your master's degree you must know have a doctorate or whatever yeah. and, and again I, I i would i would throw that back at them as you know it, it doesn't take that to you know the piece of paper to to show that i can do something more than than you can with that piece of paper be, the reason they asked for it is because it's one. It, it's. It shows you're serious. It, well, it shows, I'm, I'm committed. It shows, I dedicated yeah. myself for six years to college. I'll dedicate myself to this job. Yep. But you know, like I think about that all the time. 
would I have gone? I mean, I had a great time in college. Don't get me wrong. But knowing what I know now, would I force my child to go to college if they, that's not something that they wanted to do? Um, absolutely not. You know, and may, would I go back and do it again knowing that it would all end up the same? Probably not. You know. I think, too, it has to do with, like, what field you want to get into. Oh, absolutely. And, again, like, I, to me, it's like if I could tell anybody or any kid coming out of high school, going into college, like, if, if you are undecided and you don't know what you want to do with your life, either go into two fields, go into business or go into psychology. Because in in our business, in the car business, it's... You know, my my dad even said this. He was like, "You guys should have got your degree in in sociology, psychology, right. because it's how to people. read people, yep. mm-hmm. how to understand people, and not only just your own people, but your customers. How are customers thinking? You know, what makes people want to buy something, or you know, how do you yeah. how do you how do you get them interested enough to you know to buy in your brand and your product? So. I mean, That's you can't go wrong with, you know, a business degree because anything you get into is, is going to be business related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the things that you learn in business, you know, in the finance and, you know, mm-hmm. what I, I can remember taking calculus classes at Xavier and just absolutely struggling to get a D and yeah. thinking, when am I ever going to need to know this calculus problem mm-hmm. in the car business? Yeah. Never. But, I mean, it's how they train your brain to think. It's not, you know, you don't think just like this. It's yeah. you, have to, you have to train your brain to think other ways I, as well. I remember when we were in college, I was a communication student, but um, which, again, I worked very hard for my degree. But my husband was a civil engineering student. Wow. So he had one class, and we would always go to the library together. Um, and it was called differential equations and that class, I never took it, never even stepped one foot near it, but I remember him studying for it and all they did for the test was give you the answer and you had to figure out the equation. And I just think back of how hard he struggled with that, but now applying that to life, maybe he's never had to use that particular equation. But there's so many times in life when you see, like, the answer or you have this situation in front of you and you have to go back and replay the steps or figure out how it how it came to this. So it's like, that it does apply to life and to business and, you know, now he sells hardwood and doesn't do anything with a civil engineering degree. But I think you, you can take those lessons from college and apply them to business life. Yep. Um, in some situations. College was nothing more than uh, I had to go to college first. I had to check the block to get to where to get to get where I needed to go. Yeah. Um, because I, I, at one point, I was just told my dad, I was like, I'm just going to go to the military. I'm just going to go to the military straight out of high school. Because that's what he did. And he was like, no, no, no. You are not <laughs> going to do that. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to school for it first. You're going to yeah. get your degree. And then if you want, you know, you can do whatever you want to do after that. Um so I figured out a way to get the to have the army pay for my to put me on scholarship to go to college. So tell us tell us what what your GPA was in college. So my GPA was I graduated with a with a three point four because econ classes I got some C's <laughs> would have been closer to the four But 
Um, my degree, ladies and gentlemen, was in international relations. And the reason I picked that was because that it was a it seemed to be a good i a good degree for wanting to work um, within an intelligence agency when I got out because that was my ultimate goal upon going in the army and all that stuff. So that seemed to be like now here's some classes because I looked up my transcript. Tim was calling you out on some of these. I can't here's, wait. Here's some here's some for you. Now I went to Capitol. Okay. Which all that really means is it was super expensive to go there. Um, self-defense one. Check. Next semester, self-defense two. What'd you get in those classes? A's. <laughs> we hope. Um, experience the Holocaust. That was a fun class. Um, what else we got here? I did do some stuff like wrote, uh, Russian Soviet history, Latin American politics. Um... American Indian history and culture. What'd you get in that one? Uh, that was a B. That, then next semester, I followed that up with Native American religion. Was that, that was the a C. C. That was a C. That was the C. I was not. Uh, it, and I was getting the problem is I didn't go. So the, he offered <laughs> he offered a uh, extra credit. Okay, so this has nothing to do with what this episode's about. But I've heard this story. There's this. I love this. Um, the professor's old guy, okay, and he was all about experiencing like peyote. He had been out in the uh, with the Dakota tribes and like done this crazy stuff. Like I forget the name of the ceremony, but basically, like they stick hooks into your skin and hoist you up on a pole and stick you there for a, two days or something while you Jeez. while you find your spirit animal or whatever the hell. <laughs> and this is. So he had done all this, and he's just some white dude, you know. Like he was in his, he was in his sixties, um, but he was like, "If you guys want, like, for extra credit, there's a thirty miles east of Columbus. This tribe is doing a sweat lodge ceremony." Well, clearly, I needed the extra credit. Yes. So I'm like, "I'm in." All right, sweat lodge. Let's do it. I'm in. Good. So, my professor. Imagine the dynamic you have between student and professor, let alone this guy's older, okay? So, comes time, and I don't know, I feel extremely out of place. Like, I'm, should not, I don't know, I've just felt weird, you know? So, let alone a sweat lodge, it's not a lodge. It is not a... Yeah, you don't feel like you're going out to the Shawnee Lodge. Imagine just like a 10-foot diameter circle... Okay. Is it like a teepee? It's kind of like a teepee. So what they do, a 10-foot diameter circle, and then they take branches, okay, and then bend these branches. Oh, okay. And so basically you have this a dome. It's mm-hmm. a yurt. A dome. So like, and then what they'll do is um, they put heavy-ass canvas tarps on top of the... So you have this 10-foot 10, 10 radius, 10-foot diameter, whatever, dome... All right, there's a fire going outside, and what they'll do is there's a pit in the middle of it, and they'll go take the hot rocks from the fire, put it in the middle, and then start splashing to make the steam water over top of the rocks. It's a man-made sauna. There's no way for the steam to escape. Now, here's the thing. Within this 
ten foot diameter dome. They literally put the whole tribe oh my God. inside of this thing. So like, are you clothed? You, no, well, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Sorry, okay. Sorry, listeners. So you're literally like shoulder to shoulder, head to head, circled up in this ten foot that you kind of like you have to like crawl into it. Okay, so I'm like, Doctor Marutis is his name. All right. That's one you don't forget. So, everybody's super nice. And now, because what you're trying to do is, ele- like, have this communal experience and elevate your senses to something. All right? I was getting extra credit. That's all I knew. So, I'm like, what? I'm like, where's the lodge? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, like, some cedar plank lined lodge where I can just kind of lean back and... You know, sweat. I'm like, that's the lodge. So he's like, yep. So it's like, all right, time to go. And I'm like, okay. Well, I wore like gym clothes, and he's like, time to go. He just goes right down to his underwear. Okay. (laughs) And Doctor Marus was hiding a little secret that he was the world's hairiest man. (laughs) So he wears like button-up shirts all the time. I kid you not, he was... He took his sweater off and still had a sweater on. He was back in the wood line taking his clothes off. And I could hear the audible noise of his chest hair. Like, like, (laughs) like, like his, his clothes had been restricted, had been pulling his chest hair back. And when the clothes came off, his chest hair like folded forward. Like, and he was, so now it was like gray. So he looked like a Yeti. Like coming out of the Silver wood, like, and there was as much back hair as there was chest hair, and I was like, "Oh, sh-. like here we go." So, thirty of us, or however many, went went into this sweat lodge, and uh, I mean, it couldn't have been bigger. Than I, right it was here. it was basically the size of right here, where we're yeah, yeah this little this lane, and like. It was pretty awesome. I mean, so then you had like actual Native Americans. They were chanting. They'd pass the pipe around and hit the uh, hit the water on the rocks, and it was it's pretty sweet. And uh, still ended with a C plus, <laughs> even, even though I got like stark ass naked nice. with my sixty year old college professor. Um, now was that time well spent? I don't know, but, but you uh, got a hell of a story. <laughs> I got yeah. But I got a, so if you don't go to college, you don't have an opportunity <laughs> to experience but something like this. Where that comes from? So the point I'll make with that is, we you know, t- eighteen years from now, when my kids are deciding, from a strictly business standpoint, it probably costs thirty thousand dollars a year to go to Capital. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're gonna say a, a four. And year- that was how many oh, years ago? Shit, that was, I graduated in '03. Right. So. Let's, let's, would I have been better served? Let's say I wasn't going to the military or whatever. Would I have been better served taking $120,000 and spent four years learning how to run a business on my own? You know, assuming I knew at that point in time, which that's the problem is a lot of 18 year old kids have no idea what the hell they want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to, to Monday morning quarterback it, but. I think there's there's a lot to be said for what you can learn from books, but mm-hmm. in my 
experience the two best forms of knowledge are self-taught, yep. what you teach yourself, and what you gain through experience. Right. And if you know, if I could give myself one hundred twenty thousand dollars now and say you got four years to learn a business, I'd be crushing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Isn't it amazing now that we're we're older and we'll pick up a book and read now that we would I my dad is like an avid reader has always read mm-hmm. my sisters uh Tim is is a lot better um I think Joe reads enough on Amazon another <laughs> <laughs> shopping site sorry Joe I love you one click Joe <laughs> um but it, isn't it amazing now it's like we'll pick up a book and talk about it where in college it's like what you're going there to do, you would not even mm-hmm. say, hey, did you read the lesson last night? Or did yeah. you? Yeah. It's, it's, let's talk about yeah, it. Let's, well, and like I've got a lot of friends who have gone, have served active duty. They've got the GI Bill. So now mm-hmm. they're mid-20s going back or they're going to school and never went to school the first time. Uh, there's a huge difference between they're like, oh my god, they're telling stories all the time about being in, being in class with a freshman who's mm-hmm. 18, or you know they are 25, 26. There's a, just a huge maturity yeah. um, difference there. Now, what do you think if your dad would have said, okay, you can go to the military first, and then like just like those students use your GI Bill because my brother is in the Marines and I like my parents were totally accepting of him going into the Marines and I was like your dad like just apply to one school and then consider it you know and he did and he got into OU and the ROTC program and all of that and uh, he's like nah I think I'm still I'll I'll go to college but I'm still going to go to the military first and I just think this similarly my brother-in-law went to school for two years, failed out, then went into construction, okay, and was in that for two years, and you have to work really hard in the military, and you have to work really hard in construction, and then you take those, like, um, experiences, and then you're like, okay, I'm ready to go to school, because I know what I want to do with my life, I'm going to be passionate about my major, and I'm going to get better grades, like, do you think that you would have been more successful in college had you had gone to the military first? Uh, I, mean, I think the military to me, and I didn't serve, but just like for you, it's like you don't want to fail in the military. Mm-hmm. And one, they're not going to let you right. unless, but still in college, it's like you have the choice yeah. to get up and go to class. Right. Because in the professors, they care that you're there, but some of them, frankly, don't. They don't take attendance, but mm-hmm. if in everything that, I mean, I read everything, just self-taught yeah. knowledge. Right. You don't just have a choice to sleep in or whatever. I think that, to me, the military would teach you more about being a man or a woman uh-huh. than college would. Yeah. Yeah, because that was my point. Like, if I could go back and, I mean, I was very adamant on my brother. Like, just go to college first, go to college first. And now, like, knowing what I know now, I think that a lot more people would be successful if they got out and did, had to be part of the grind every day right. and then made the choice to go to school. You know, they would waste a lot less money. They would do better in their classes because they would know what it's like to be disciplined, getting up every day at 8 a.m. And, you know, because when you go from high school to college, like you said, that maturity level is just not there mm-hmm. for a lot of kids. And a lot of kids are very fortunate. They don't 
know how much this college is costing their parents so they don't really feel invested in it and if you go out into the workforce and you put in the time and the hard work and you're like you know what I do not want to go back to that job I do not want to go back to slinging bricks around and and you know working in rebar um I'd rather make be successful here and then go on to be successful in business I think I think it's just a matter of Go, A, what do you want to go to school for? Because, mm-hmm. like, to me, the only reason you should go to college is if your degree is directly applicable to the job you're going to. Correct. Nurse, doctor, yep. lawyer, engineer, yeah. international relations, nugget of. Yeah, my first major. <laughs> Spending was, time in a sweat lodge. Was political <laughs> science. <laughs> yeah, political science, history, that's all bullshit. Yeah. Okay, and how many people do you guys know? now or that you went to college with that actually graduated in four years? Uh, six and a half over here. I, I did it okay. in four in the summer. Like, I, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, like, they're like, oh, I didn't know what to do, so I'm just going to Shawnee. I'm like, cool. Good. You know what yeah. you should do? Don't spend seven fucking years at Shawnee. Yeah. Like, don't get on the seven-year Shawnee I got program. out in six and a half. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> And how many times Jim Donnelly went for nine years, and he had <laughs> fourteen majors and seventeen minors, something like that. Yeah, I but don't he's know. very he, smart. He listens he to is. our podcast. He's uh, <laughs> smart. The guy. He yeah. is brilliant. <clears throat> I but, can't wait to meet that guy, Jim. If you're listening, can't you wait are. to meet he is. you. <laughs> <laughs> but you just have to have the ability, like start finish. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Is, is regardless of is it a right thing? Is it a not right thing? What is a wrong thing? Is if your ass does not graduate in four years because you fucked around. What yep. what is that movie where the guy is like a professional college student? Uh, Van Wilder. Yeah, I think so. That's pretty. Funny. So you just like get Don't out. Let him like, be your mentor. Your... There is no there is no reason you cannot graduate in four years. Yeah, yeah. There's just not. Have fun, absolutely. Right, yeah. But and again that that. I'm the pot calling the kettle black because it's it's it took me so long, and thank God for my wife who I met at Shawnee and I had one class left, a philosophy class, and I failed it, and I was so pissed off that I was like, I'm not taking it, mm-hmm. screw it, I don't need it, and she was like, No, you're going to get it, and I took off literally a, a semester, so it put me six months behind, yeah. and she's like, No, you're going to get your degree that's you know so i mean i i owe a lot definitely to her she she did graduate in four years and then she got her master's so yeah thank god i so and you can you you know you go to college it's it's great you might meet the love of your life i did you know i mean think we all we all did except dale and tim because they had (laughs) high school sweethearts um but it's a good experience but like you it's you're using it to move on with your life yeah that's it you know a lot of people get caught into the to the and i would say suck of it like for me i learned a lot in my classes but the biggest things i learned were about myself you know i knew i had to work hard because i was putting myself through school um just more about life than i did about anything else you know being independent and and you know having to make money and pay bills and things like that and and then that's translated well into my life now you know i've never relied on anybody else to do those things 
for me. Well, definitely, I think if you take the right classes and the right courses in college that make you do things like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, like public speaking and yeah. doing things like, I I don't mind getting up in front of like a crowd and talking or, you know, people. I, I know Tim, Tim doesn't uh, particularly like it, Thank Joe, you. I don't think. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but again, I, I, I don't love it, but it doesn't bother me yeah um but it's it's but i think that that's something that college can teach you is is it's going to get you out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. um and i i think school in general does yeah so okay. i had a lot of great professors in in college uh jerry ruby is he's a great customer of ours but he was a finance professor that was great um jim wayne who's a local insurance agent he he made us uh, formulate our own business, and every week we had to come up and give an update on our business. Like, you just fabricated it, but yeah. still, it was to help you when you got out to, to really be able to get up and to, to sell your brand mm-hmm. and tell. And I still remember um, Nick Jody, who is a, a friend of mine. I haven't talked to him for several years because he moved on to Cincinnati, but He's got a very, very, very successful insurance agent agency in Cincinnati. It's called Allset, and he he's like he was that kid in class that you're like, geez, what's he gonna do this time? But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was good. It, he was he was good at that. And then there were cer- certain people that obviously they weren't. That mm-hmm. that's not. But again, you get to pick and choose what you want to do with mm-hmm. your with your life, and yeah. that's one of the things that you know college definitely helps you with. But when you graduate, you don't know shit. True. Let's be very clear about that. That's a good point. When you when you're 22, just because you have that degree, guess what? You don't meet. You don't know shit, and uh, that's where it comes into the best learning you can have is on the job, Mm -hmm. right? And no matter if it's a job you love or you hate, there's always things you can take away and learn from that. Especially when you get thrown into an organization like the Knitting Guild. Yeah. <laughs> you know nothing. Yes. I mean, that the Knitting Guild <laughs> is, an, is an awesome example of, of that. How, so. how are you coming out of college? I graduated when I was 21. I got my job when I just turned 22. And I literally was the youngest person hired in the company, I think, ever. And the youngest person in the organization that I was, quote-unquote, managing, which was the Knitting Guild Association. Fresh out of college, <laughs> first job, Knitting Guild. And Let's do this. So I literally had to teach myself about management because I never took a business class. I took classes on, like, the basic structures of nonprofits and different things like that, but... I didn't know anything about knitting. I didn't know anything about these people that I was managing or the the organization itself. I mean, I, I literally took the time to teach myself how to knit, you know. And like Dale was saying, like you guys are saying, we did photo shoots, so I had to teach myself about lighting. You know, it's just, and that experience has actually helped me a lot with what I do now because I'm not intimidated by a computer i'm not intimidated by 
video or like doing anything creatively like that because I know I can teach myself. But had I not had that job, I never would have instilled like the confidence in myself to be able to learn something new, like that new to me, you know? Business, having your own business is the ultimate trip, the ultimate journey of continual knowledge. Yep. That's it. Like, I opened up a gym and all I wanted to do was coach. I wanted to teach, I wanted to teach myself to be the best coach possible. I I became to be a good coach because of the experience in the classes. You know, if you look back on the first year of coaching versus where I'm at now, like that guy would be like, dude, what? This is a complete shit show. Um, but it's through the hours, like the, the 10,000 hour rule where it mm-hmm. takes, you know, it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert. At, at anything. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> oh, is that your next that's point? My next, that's uh-huh. my next, that's my next point. <laughs> like up. I'm sitting there Perfect and that's, that's so, it's, it's so true because in, in our business, in our business, in your business, whatever business it is, and you just said it, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. Well, mm-hmm. let's break that down. Okay, if you're working seven days a week, which, you know, how, how what's the percentage of Americans that work seven days a week? They don't, but right. for, for simplicity's sake, if you work on your profession for two hours a day on your, your specific area, that's... that's 730 hours a year that you spend trying to be an expert. So it's going to take you 13 and a half years to become an expert. Mm-hmm. Say you do it four hours a day. Six, 6.8 years to do that. Now, I know you, I know Tim, I'm not as, as uh, you live it. You're every hour of the day. You're thinking about something, and I'm not saying I don't, but there's you know there's certain you have times. An off switch. Yeah, yeah. I I can turn it off. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tim and Dale. Well, I don't no, think I you can. guys turn it off ever, and that's okay. That's that's how you're made. But again, how long? How do you consider yourself an expert at what you do? No, not at all. And, and if you look at that time breakdown period, like back in the old days. You had apprentices and you had masters. Yep. Like, we're talking, you know, 1500s. You had to serve at, for seven years as an apprentice before you could, you know, have your own have your own spot. Or, um, so essentially from, like, 15 to 22, you, you know, you wanted to be the best blacksmith, bladesmith. Yep. Your family did a deal with the blacksmith in town and indentured you to him where he taught you everything for those seven years. That's what we we just recently partnered with um, the Cider Career Technical Center um, with Stan Jennings and Kyle Copley. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome guys, but they have a tech apprentice program, and we've got three kids uh, – 17 and 18 year old kids that will spend the morning at the technical center and then from one to five they come to us and work with our technicians and and talking about being an expert in the the service end of our business so when we work on cars 
it's it's like work. I always I always compare it to the medical field because I think a car is so similar with you know it's just got so many different working components and you know the heart, the lungs, the brain, the nervous system, whatever. Well, a car is similar. How long does it take to master a automobile? Well, you can't because right. it's ever changing. It's mm-hmm. So for us, that's what we want to do is is try to get these kids young mm-hmm. and and bring them in put them with our best people mm-hmm. and let them learn is it going to take them seven years absolutely it might take them longer mm-hmm. but at the gm store in portsmouth we've got three guys that um came out of that program and they're to me they're like my next up and comings mm-hmm. but they've been there since right. i've been there for five years and they're still as far as GM is concerned, on paper, they're like yeah. right. middle of the road at best. Mm-hmm. But then we've got the Lee Comers and the Chris Hickmans and um, Mike Evans that have been there 30-plus years or 20-plus years that I do consider experts. Yeah. Um, Ron Brown uh, actually started working for my grandfather and then my dad and now Tim and I mm-hmm. 35 years and he's a Toyota technician, and our Toyota rep that's over the region, if he has a problem at one of his other stores that they can't fix it, guess where it comes? It comes to him because he can fix it. But the thing that sucks is he's like two to five years from exiting. He's going to retire, and and good for him. He's worked for 35 Mm -hmm. years, but he is an expert. Um, so we've recently put one of the one of those younger kids with him because I want them to soak up so much of that yeah. knowledge that you know. But still, he can't teach them what he can learn himself mm-hmm. from the from the failures mm-hmm. that right. he's had in his life. So, um, but yeah, it's good. I I think that was a good lead and in on the like, expert. <clears throat> whether it's business or sports or skill, the hours are the hours, and it need, it's not just a matter of okay, well. I'm putting in my two hours today to check the block. No, it's got to be intensive, purposeful learning mm-hmm. of the craft mm-hmm. for those hours to count. And application, too. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like you have the classroom setting, and then you have, okay, this is what you learned, and you're going to come here and apply that to an actual car. You know, I could sit here and read all about changing the oil or how to change a tire, but until I do it myself, like with my own two hands... You know, I'm not going to either retain that information or I'm never going to be able to apply it when the time comes. Right. You know. And that's the cool thing, like, we're seeing in CrossFit now is kids from a young age are learning Olympic lifting literally from age 7 and 8 up. So, imagine if you have a 14-year-old kid who's trying to learn a clean, a 21-year-old kid who's yep. trying to learn a clean, but then you got this 7-year-old who's been cleaning for set, who's learning and doing, executing Olympic lifting movements for seven years. Like think how far along that kid is on the power curve. And that's why China, China hand select, I mean, it's a communist country, but (laughs) they hand select kids. You, Lin Wee, you're going to be a gymnast based upon your genetic type Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. You, Shuang Shua. You're going to be a... Uh, <laughs> That's trademarked, by the way. Yeah. <clears throat> you're going to be a... Uh, you're going to be Olympic lifting. And then those kids from age six, that's all they do. Mm-hmm. 
they're born and they grow. Now, I'm not saying that's what you need to do, but the point is they get so good and they become gold medalists, it's because of the hours they've put in at such a young age. Yeah. You know, you know your kid golfs. That's great. I wish he would play more, but I, I mean, for, for me growing up, I that's why I played golf. I played football and I played golf, but I I loved golf because my grandfather, both my grandfathers played, and as like my grandfather Glockner Ebby was the just worst golfer, but he loved it for the networking uh-huh. and the social, and I think that that's what helped him build his brand is that he played in Tuesday Night League, mm-hmm. and I used to work at the golf course, yeah. so I loved. I'd be like, I want to work on Tuesday because one, my grandpa will be here, and two, afterwards we are going to go to Mexitali and eat. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But his his favorite part of golf was the end. It was the nineteenth mm-hmm. hole. He'd come in, he'd he'd talk with his buddies and talk about how poorly he played, but then he'd have a cocktail and it was like over. Yeah. yeah. And what was he doing to me? He was working on his craft because all these people that he's talking to. We're potential clients, mm-hmm. and you're in front of them. So, yep. I I've got my my next thing, and and I think it leads right in as is first know thyself. You have to know what you want to do mm-hmm. with your life, and and Christina Marsh, our human resources director, and I two weeks ago went down to the college and went to the career fair, mm-hmm. job of Palooza. Yeah, to me it was like a humbling experience because. This is the next up and coming. This is the the generation mm-hmm. that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's not just 18 and 19 year olds. There were 40 and 50 year olds mm-hmm. because they're going back. But, you know, what do you want to do with every passing person that comes up? We introduce ourselves and what I always joke, I'm like, what do you want to do when you what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. it's kind of an icebreaker. What do you want to do when you So, a lot of the kids just had undecided on their chest and it's like Okay, and I get it because right, right. I was there. <laughs> but knowing knowing thyself early in life, like what you want to do, I think you knew early what you wanted to do as far as like going into the military and mm-hmm. being a business person. And, you know, for me, I, I was lost. I was. I wanted to go to college because what do you do in college? Mm-hmm. You go party and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you can go to class when you want. You have no supervision. But um, I just a, a quote. Um, and first know thyself if you bring forth what is within you what you bring forth will save you if you do not bring forth what is within you what you do not bring forth will destroy you yeah dude so I mean it's like bring it to the table Mm -hmm. like there's so I think that's one thing that so many people are so afraid to like show their true self Mm -hmm. and like voice their opinion so to me in our business it's like we have an open door policy like if you want if you think that something can change like something can better the business bring it to bring it to the table yeah number four on on our core values is empower your people Mm mm-hmm if you don't empower your people, then your business can't thrive. Mm-hmm. If you micromanage the business to where you know you're making every decision, what what do you what do you need, Sadie? Why do you right. need yeah. him? That's why I think you do so well, Dale. Is is that everyone has a class, and when you come in, everyone has a different style. Mm-hmm. But it's like I love the the five thirty class because for one, it's it's 
you get you get in, you get after it, right. you're done with your, you know, you've got your workout. But I like when you coach it because it's like it's it's a calming thing. It's mm-hmm. five thirty in the morning. Yeah, it's it's positive enough, but not like super down your throat. Now right. the nooner class. It's it's intense because it's you're halfway through your day. Yeah. yeah, you need to get after it. Right, right. So, and I've I've even tried the four thirty class, which I like. Mm-hmm. But I mean, my favorite class I'd say is is the is the early morning, and mm-hmm. I I like getting up, getting after it, and then you're done. You're yeah. done, and then go throughout your day. So, I mean, if you can find like going back to your quote, if you're trying to do something. Because it's quote unquote more successful. Like if, if you're if you're you grew up in a family of doctors and you've been told you're gonna be a doctor your whole time and you spend you go to medical school, get your degree, and you're just miserable. Like but that's what it's been and like mm-hmm. you have a desire to do something else. Like that desire to do something else is that gift. That is inside of you that need, and you're not living that gift. <clears throat> you're not giving that gift to the world because you're locked in and harnessed by something that you shouldn't be doing. Dale and I are like on this crazy, the same mindset today because yeah. it's like the you next one. <laughs> the next thing is pick the right pond. Yeah. Don't don't go into like I didn't come into the car business because it was like what my family did. I I wanted to do it because it's like, it's in my blood, but I, can I imagine doing anything else? I really can. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I'd love to have been a professional golfer, but I'm not the less than 1% of the world that, you know, and again, I, I could have done a lot more things, but my, my dad always said, you know, growing up, he was like, do whatever, do whatever makes you happy. And I think that's the thing is like being able to pick your pond is pick an environment where you know you're going to thrive and you're going to strive. And that's something I think college does teach you is that you get to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and if parents will let their kids pick, which which my parents, I'm fortunate enough, they did, you know, just whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. I, you, you pick. If it's business, if it's, what you know, whatever. International studies, <laughs> Native American religion, son. Jiu-jitsu. Get some self-defense oh, one and two. Oh god! But again, so that's awesome, man. Um, it, it, but if you can find that sweet spot to where you like, um, this is the last example we'll give, and then we'll close it out. But um, there's two. There's tw- there's the twins. There's Nick and Connor. Those guys are are, are some of the most Talented, creative, design, artistic, whatever term you want to use. Like, I think um, I'm creative, but I don't have the mechanism on the execution piece. So I have, I'm creative in the fact that I have all these ideas. Um, I'm the best. Would guitar- this work? Would that work? Right. I'm the best guitar player that's ever played, but I don't know how to play guitar. <laughs> oh my. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a guitar. <laughs> um, I'm the best. I'm the best artist who's ever lived, but I can't fucking draw to save my life. So I have all these ideas, and so Connor, um, Connor and Nick, they knew that that was something inside of them from a very very early age, and both of them were able to find a degree 
I think Connor's degree is creative uh, art, some sort of creative arts or like uh, design something. Anyways, his gift, he found a technical slash um, degree for that so he could learn the mechanisms uh, on the business side from that. And he was able to get his degree. And um, hell, he's, I, I could see from early on, like they're the guys that paid our building. They freehanded yeah. the letters. That's not a projection. They can't like, hey, dude, I want a black building with OD green in it, figure it out. And they send me a mock-up and then they're the ones painting it by hand right. to do that. They um, are mastering their craft. They're ma- so they, they have their technical degree. Right. Um, now they're on the job. Yep. They're spending those 10,000 hours. Um, whether you want to look at it as an apprentice or just learning on the job, Connor is a partner of ours in third and court. Every design you see comes from him. Every shirt that has came out, and again, it's like the Spud shirt, the Portsmouth shirt, um, the Dreamland. It's like He's it's it out. so like, and it's not just produce a bunch of shirts and what it's like it's thought out and it's like yeah it's a great idea but i don't it's not like killer right. and you right. know like you gotta it's gotta be and every one of them have been the river rats is it's it's beautiful right but it's like what dale was saying like we have all these ideas and we come together once a week and it's like connor we want like a river rat shirt or we want a dreamland shirt we never said anything about the transistor radio we never said anything about turn so you won't burn like but he's like okay and it's like his mind takes him one step further to like wrap his arms around it and And then deliver he's completely consumed by it yeah and how i know is because 3 30 in the morning 4 30 in the morning 6 a.m in the morning he's sending here's a design for this here's a design for that um and it's like you could never like think about like you have an idea in your in your mind, and it's like he truly brings it to life. It's like Connor, you know, I could never. I, that's exactly what I imagined without ever telling you. You know, like right. that's that's perfect. It's perfect, and goes back to like choosing your own pond. Like Connor is on doing great, like designing for us, and Nick is doing amazing things, like with the creative cult and trying to get more people to like channel their creative mind you know and the creative side and help them like have an outlet to explore that side that they never really thought like no you don't have to be the best artist but you know just be creative and and so I just think it's great like they're twin brothers super creative one's gone this route and one's gone this route you know what I mean and, So and uh, I know we're giving Connor a lot of props but <laughs> the other day I rolled to the levee like 6.37 in the morning no one is there ever, and I see this mutant carrying a rock. And I I'm, did see that and that I, <laughs> Instagram one, day. and I'm like, automatically home walk. I'm like, this guy's stealing something. Like this is not <laughs> something is mutant. completely wrong. I'm seeing this six, seven foot six, guy seven foot carrying this huge rock up the, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's Nick. That is, and he had his sketch pad in his phone, and he was just, he was, found a big rock, squatted it a bunch of times, and was doing box jumps on the concrete bench. And I'm Which like, Which is impressive yeah. in itself. And I'm it's like, like they're just, high. Yeah, they're like super 
determined. They're super motivated, and and I just think like that was an awesome. I was like, did we just become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, but how consumed would Connor be, let's say, if he was working as a, I don't even know what. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he would always that gift would always be inside of him, but if it. Now he's following it completely, and he's able to make a living from that. Yeah. So you got to decide. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be from college, um, you know, because happiness is a new sort of economy as well. Mm-hmm. Freedom, happiness, and money. And which, you know, depending on what part of the journey you are in life, because when you retire, those guys don't care about making money. They care about having freedom. Yep. So you don't have to necessarily wait until you retire to have that freedom, but you need to be able to. There's a gift inside of you, and if it, if you're lucky enough to find that, and it's all consuming, Google's a hell of a thing mm-hmm. that you can teach yourself anything you need to know about business. Boom. Good. And on that note, thank you. I think we're done. Uh, as usual. If you listen to the podcast and you want to you want to support, so I can continue to ride my willies around time around town and uh, um, raise hell, raise hell and live the dream. Use code podcast for anything on Doc Spartan um, or Third and Court. Use code podcast for Third and Court. Come in that uh, gets you something online. Come and stop in the store, get a new shirt. Um, and you guys at Glockner's. Mention co or mention pot mention the podcast. Let's just don't mention Tim. Yeah. Just let's leave let's leave Tim out of this. I think Tim's worked out four times in the month of September. He benched two twenty five, which is the same it as Sadie, worked out since. and dropped the and mic. He, he dropped the. I was getting ready to say that he dropped the mic, dropped, dropped the barbell. The so, so let's I'm just done. let's leave Tim out of this. Um, now Tim Tim was in DC last week. And he's uh, spanning the state of Ohio this week. He is on his way to Columbus to uh, meet with the creative uh, people in our building to see, you know, they're they're going to help us lay out uh, everything in order to tell the Glockner story at our at our Market Street. That's awesome! So, man, I'm excited. So, be good. All right, guys. Well, but uh, you get you get two hundred fifty dollars. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Off of a car. Yep. Just by mentioning. Podcast. Don't you mentioned Tim? We're going to charge you. Yeah, it cost you five hundred. <laughs> you you don't get tires on the car if you mention Tim. And then um, you guys get a percentage discount off of the, off of service. Yep, yep. as well. So Ten percent off service. Mention that. Um, we'll be back next week. Appreciate you guys tuning in. All together now. Thank, Thank you. you.
Make a dollar. Trying to make a dollar.